Earlier this year, Congress passed and the president signed a trillion-dollar new trade agreement with Canada and Mexico. You might ask, how'd they do that? It wasn't the politicians that figured out the thousands of details. That took a dedicated team of career feds. In this case, led by John Melly and Maria Pagan of the Office of U.S. Trade Representative. Both are finalists in this year's Service to America Medals program. John Melly is the Assistant U.S. Trade Representative for the Western Hemisphere, and he joins me now. Mr. Melly, good to have you on. Well, thanks for having me. And you're an old hand at this. And give us an idea of what goes into crafting one of these agreements for, I guess it takes months and months, that uh, get ready for the politicians to sign off on. Well, the way the United States conducts its trade agreements is fairly interesting because the responsibility is divided between the executive branch and the Congress. So the first part of the process is you have to go to Congress and say, hey, we want to negotiate an agreement and get Congress's buy-in that you're going to do that. Of course, you you ask for permission, but you want to maintain as much discretion as possible to go off and, and negotiate that agreement. So that's the first stage of the process. And then we need to get all of our stakeholders on board, the companies that trade, the service organizations, NGOs, labor unions. They have to understand what our goals are and support that process. And then when we are all teed up, we've got to go talk to the foreign governments, and they have to be interested, and they have to see it as a win for them as well. And, of course, they've got to manage their politics and their businesses. Uh, so it's a it's an interactive process. You have to be ready to change course or uh, come up with counterproposals throughout this period of time of negotiations. As he says, it does it does take months. It took us about 14 months to renegotiate an old trade agreement, the North American Free Trade Agreement, and we ended up with the U.S. MCA, the U.S.-Mexico-Canada Agreement. Got it. And with all of those different parties that have to at least have a chance to have a say-so, even if they're not the deciders, it sounds like many, many variables, and it sounds like a lot of transferring ideas from one party to the other, getting buy-off or altercation, alteration, I should say, and back again. Is that part of what takes so long? Yes, and I didn't even mention the other U.S. government agencies that are involved. All of them, of course, have big stakes in their sectors of the economy and the programs they run. So typically, a trade agreement, we will do rounds of negotiation. And and for the USMCA, we wanted to do it very quickly. So we began by meeting every fourth week. So quite an accelerated pace. And you've got to do all your consultations between those rounds Again, you have to have new proposals or counterproposals will arrive on your desk from the other countries. So it's it's quite a dynamic process you go through. And there are many commodities involved with all of this. I mean, Mexico makes everything from tequila to automobiles and ditto for Canada. I don't know if they make cars up there, but they make a lot of things. And how detailed does it get with respect to products specifically? Oh, it can get quite specific. Uh, First, the tariffs themselves... We did agree to continue with the zero tariffs we had under the NAFTA, but the tariff lines, we've got about 12,000 different tariff lines in the United States, and each of them have to be addressed individually. A a big uh, concern in our trade with Mexico and Canada under the prior agreement has been the imbalance that uh, we've seen in the auto sector, where we run a large deficit with Mexico in autos. And so we wanted to address that by crafting new rules that provide more balance to the auto trade in North America. So uh, a lot of back and forth and a lot of interaction both with the industries, which were concerned about change, and the other countries that wanted to make sure that they could maintain their industries as well. And, of course, there's always tons and tons of documentation 
both of the old agreements and what's going on with the new agreements. How do you make sure all of that keeps up with what the thinking and decisions are such that when you have a document, it reflects what you actually think you agreed to and everyone else agreed to? Right. Well, that is the role of the attorneys, the lawyers that attend each of the negotiating sessions, and there's a lawyer assigned to each of the chapters that's being negotiated. And my colleague, Maria Pagan, was the lawyer in charge of all of those lawyers. So she is the one with her team that has to scrub every word, because part of a trade agreement includes dispute settlement procedures. Uh, You have to implement it, you have to live up to your commitments, and you can be brought to task if you have not. So words do mean something, and Maria and her team of attorneys were there to make sure that they were clear in what they meant and what the responsibilities are and provide that language in a way that can be implemented and can be enforced. And is there a good system, I, you know, an electronic system that supports all of that editing and changing? Yes. All of the edits are done on big screens, and you can add your brackets and your highlights, uh, so it's a, a pretty iterative process. Uh, the actual scrubbing of the text, the last changes were made over the Thanksgiving weekend in uh, that would have been in 2018. So all of that was done remotely on the big screens from various capitals. So the technology has helped us move along. And, and, and I said we completed the renegotiation of the USMCA in 14 months. That's really record time, and technology is part of the reason for doing that so quickly. We're speaking with John Melly. He is the assistant U.S. trade representative for the Western Hemisphere and also a finalist in this year's Service to America Medals program. And this strikes me as something that, among your personal qualities, you must have to have a great deal of patience and the abilities to assimilate a lot of detail. Is that how you would describe yourself? Yes, I I think that's essential. You can really get down into the details for how a particular sector is to be dealt with, and you have to understand the linkages that either your stakeholders are making or your agencies are making or the other countries are making between that issue and other issues. So there are a lot of balls to juggle. We started out with about a 1,000 negotiators from the three countries, uh, and we ended up with about 34 chapters in the final agreement, uh, over 2,000 pages. So it does cover a lot of ground, but really what it is doing is setting out the rules for trade. It is not actually creating the trade itself. That's up to the private sector and, and the service companies around the world and in, in the North American region to do that. And does it require travel on your part also to get all of these pieces done? Well, we're in a different age right now, and we are at USTR negotiating with the uh, United Kingdom and doing that virtually. But for the USMCA, we were able to travel. So typically, you would rotate among capitals for each of these rounds. So in addition to actually preparing your texts and counterproposals, you had to do all the logistics to get the right people there. And of course, there's some negotiation that goes on about who can be in the room and who represents each agency and what's their role going to be. So a number of different layers that you have to manage to get through this process. And despite having all of this patience and experience, do you ever feel the desire to grab a union member or some industrialist or some government official somewhere by the lapels and say, gosh darn it, shut up and accept this already? Well, I think there's a little drama in uh, negotiation, a trade negotiation especially. So yes, you can strategically blow up, uh, and uh, strategically I've been blown up at Uh, to make a point. But uh, again, there's a a wide range of behaviors that go on, and and you try and use them effectively at at all times. And you've been doing this a long time. Your work goes back to the NAFTA agreement during the Clinton administration. I imagine it's also an opportunity in a career to collect a lot of friends around the world, too. 
Well, yes. I, I think one of the, the great things about doing uh, international trade negotiations is, by and large, our trade agreements reflect U.S. law and U.S. practice, but the other countries have to agree to it. And so it's a, a great way to show leadership in the world and to create allies and partners going forward through a trade agreement. But I meant personally. You must have people that you maybe butted heads with or negotiated with in years past, and when it's all done and signed, they kind of stick with you? Well, of course, uh, you've got some real friendships that you make, and then there are some people, you know, you just really didn't hit it off with, and, and when the negotiation ends, so does that relationship. But yes, I do have friends around the hemisphere, in, in my case, that uh, when you go through a, a baptism of fire, there's a, a certain bonding that goes on as part of a trade agreement. Sure, and now you have retired, I guess, as of earlier this year. What are you doing now? Well, I had hoped to do uh, travel to parts of the world I didn't cover uh, during my trade agreement years, but uh, life has taken a different chance. So I'm, I'm learning to cook and learning to spend more time uh, exercising and taking care of myself, uh, which is something that does suffer when you have uh, an intense job with the government. Sure. Well, let's hope you get to hop on that clipper to Asia and get to do that one of these days. John Melly is the Assistant U.S. Trade Representative for the Western Hemisphere. Thanks so much. And thank you, Tom. And he, along with Deputy General Counsel Maria Pagan, are finalists in this year's Service to America Medals program. We'll post this interview along with a link to more information at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One. As prices keep creeping up, your entertainment budget doesn't have to take a hit. Live One Plus has all the music you love, ad-free for only $3.99 per month. Dive into Live One's massive library of songs, listen to curated playlists, or create your own. Check out exclusive artist-hosted stations and do it all for the best price in streaming. Lock in a Live One Plus membership for just $3.99 per month now, and you'll not only beat inflation, you'll get all your favorite music ad-free. Check out liveone.com slash best music for details. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. 